You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. On Blogging Heads TV, I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade, and my guest today is Kirby Ferguson. Uh, Kirby, thanks for coming on. Can you introduce yourself? My pleasure. My name is Kirby Ferguson. I'm a filmmaker, uh, writer, and speaker. Um, so thanks for taking some time uh, to come on today. So we're mainly going to be talking about uh, a film project that you recently completed, or at least very, very close to being complete. Uh, which no, it's is, done. It's done. Okay, it's done. Well, congratulations. Yeah. So it's called This Is Not right. a Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, yeah. And um, maybe people who have been watching the site for a long time will remember that you came on uh, to talk to my boss, Robert Wright. Uh, people right, people right, with very good memories. Right. In 2012-ish, um, late, maybe late 2012 or early 2013, right before you were going to launch this project. Yeah, it, was before, it was before I started it. On yeah. Kickstarter, right. So you were you yeah. were talking about everything is a remix, and I actually – so I'm a big fan of yours. I actually have – Oh, the, awesome. I didn't notice that. Oh, I have the everything is a remix it. shirt on. Oh, awesome. um, so I love it. Fanboying out. But so that was uh, <laughs> the, the first project that uh, that you did that I became, became aware of, uh, a video series about how – uh, you know, cultural, uh, how culture is made and, uh, you know, this is like not really anything original. Everything is like a combination or a recutting or a reconfiguration mm-hmm. of something else. Uh, and then you, so in 2013 or 2012 or 2013, 2012, you, you launched this Kickstarter. Yeah, that's um, right. For this is not a conspiracy theory. And I was uh, a backer. And I Thank think as I, I was just, well, you're welcome. So I was just looking at the page, which is still up. And it said, you know, dissipated being finished in a year. Um, <laughs> Did I say one year? Well, you said you said like the final rewards would be like you know two, in, in 2013, so maybe like 18 months or so. Right. Um, yeah. And then so the project obviously grew much bigger than you yes. originally envisioned. Um, so I, I want to talk about you know how the project evolved and yeah. what finishing the project means, and also conspiracy theories in general because we're you know. Uh, I, it is the age. It, it's it's much more like your your pressure because it's much more the age of conspiracy theories than it was in twenty twenty yeah. than it was eight years ago. Absolutely. Um, sure. Okay, so let, well, why don't we start back in your original conception of this project? And yeah. What did you want to do? And then how did it like kind of be- yeah. assume this larger character? Balloon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't know what I wanted to do honestly. Like I started it, so I had finished everything as remix, which was a four part video series that I that ran for a couple years. Uh, and it went really great. Like everything, it was a nicer age on the internet. People were generally speaking, uh, nicer than, uh, and whatever. Great. Uh, a lot of people that I respected really liked it. And it was just like a beautiful, perfect experience. So I was finishing it and I was like, okay, like I've got to like capitalize on this success somehow, right? Like I've got to launch the next thing off the back of this thing. Cause I don't know if I'm going to have this much uh, attention in the future. So I I came up with this idea. I called it "This is not a conspiracy theory." I had a I don't even remember what my idea of what it would be was, but I kept it very very vague. I remember in the pitch, and I didn't know it was just going to be something about you know the forces that that uh, uh, control our lives. Um, it's kind of a theory of of why things happen. Super vague. Like I had no didn't know what it was. Uh, and thought it would be like everything is remixed. Thought it would be fairly short like that. Thought it would be similar to research. And then it just ended up being like massively harder to research. It's just way, way, way bigger intellectual challenge than everything, everything is remixed was. I also made it just longer and just made it harder on myself. Like I started to make the music myself in it. I, everything is remixed was totally, uh, kind of gray market remixing of, of other people's music and other people's visuals and stuff like this. This one has 
I wanted it to be copyright clear. So uh, I made a bunch of the music. I had a bunch of collaborators. I made a, a ton of original visuals for it. And it still has some some incorporation of, of pop culture stuff into it. Um, but it's done legally through through the doctrine doctrine of fair use. Uh-huh. Uh, so and it got, just got longer than I expected it to be. And then there was just various misfortunes, family illnesses and stuff like that thrown in there as well. Uh, and then most of the time I wasn't working on it as well. Like so it became much, much longer. And then most of the time I'm working to make money, you know, so it, it was always kind of a, a part time thing or for the most part, it was kind of a part time thing. Mm-hmm. And then eight years passed <laughs> to finish it. But and, and the truth is, like, I could have gotten it done if I hadn't had such bad luck. I had some bad luck al- along the way with with my family. It probably would have been done a couple of years ago, um, but it still would have been massively longer uh, than I expected it would be. Um, but I never prioritized being as quick as possible. Like my objective with it was like, I want to make it the best thing I can. I I want it to endure for as long as possible. Like I'm not making it for now. I want somebody able to look at it in five years or 10 years or whatever. And it should still make sense. Like the, the references might become dated and stuff like that, but the overall point should still, should still, uh, stand. Uh, so I want to make something that could, could endure for a long time. And the way to do that was to take my time on it and try to get it as right as I could. So that's what I prioritized. And that's what I communicated to the audience. Like I'm like, I'm going to be slow and I'm going to get this as right as I can get it. And that's what I tried to do. And I don't regret it at all. I'm super happy with the result. Like if I somehow had stomped on the gas to get it done in a few years or whatever, it just would have been a totally different thing. And I wouldn't have loved it. Like I love this, you know, like I'm proud of having accomplished it, of, of having, having finished it, of, of the accomplishment and having the persistence to, to hang in there and, and get it done. Uh, so I'm happy with the end result, even though I have lingering guilt, guilt, certainly about being that slow because some people are disappointed and some people are frustrated and some people get pissed off and insult you and other people are just, are just become indifferent. Like you just lose them. You just lose right. people in your audience and stuff, you know? So there was definitely a price to pay. Um, but I've largely moved on. My opinion generally has been like, I'll refund you. Like if you're unhappy, I'll give you your money back, but I'm not, not going to feel bad about it anymore. I've done that enough at this point. Yeah, I, this is, I guess, is a somewhat of a side note. Are you have you heard of this um, podcast? It's called Your Kickstarter Sucks. No, I have not. Okay, it's two it's two comedy type people. They find weird, uh, stupid kickstarters and they yes. kind of make fun of them and are trying to like, well, what did they think this was going to be like? Why is it so strange? And right. and so uh, it's it's a very it's somewhat mean spirited, but it's a very funny podcast. And they're often talking about. People who uh, are people who, you know, they pay for something. It's usually some sort of like consumer electronics or like yeah, household sure. good kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then like there's uh, problems with production and, they, and mm-hmm. they start getting really angry and, yeah. you know, demanding like like saying they have this, you know, like right as a, as a citizen or something. There's some sort of boilerplate that yeah. is circulated on the Internet. It's like I yeah, hereby yeah. invoke my rights as a consumer or something. <laughs> and, and, and so, yeah. you know, it Kickstarter just this very chancy thing. Um, especially when you're manufacturing like a physical object, yes. that it's possible that this will not happen at all, or that it will be, it will be, or it'll a just piece be useless. When, yeah, yeah. or it'll just be useless when you get it. Like I, I've certainly known people who've gotten. Often it's a device. Like you get it, you try it, and like, oh, this doesn't work. <laughs> it just goes in the trash, and that's the end of that. Right. So uh, I'm happy that ultimately I, at the end of it, for the people who hung in there, uh, I made the best piece of media 
uh, I could make, and it definitely works. You can watch the video. Yes. It plays all. You can watch the whole thing. It's got audio. It's got video. It, it works. Right. Um, so and and so you mentioned the length. It's like an hour forty. So it's the length of a you know yeah. standard of feature a, film. That's um, right. So and whereas or, was your original conception going to be more like half an hour or something or like or, yeah or, probably forty minutes. That's what everything is remix was. Yeah. So okay. I thought it would be uh, yeah less than half of what it turned out to be. Okay. So you released it in installments over the years and yeah. I guess it was roughly one installment per year. Although I think it maybe it kind of, there were a couple that slowed came down. rapidly and then there was more, more of a yeah. slowdown. Yeah. I had more time at first and it was a little quicker at first and then it got slower. It also got harder. Like as I, as, as I went deeper with it, this, the research just got uh, more difficult. Uh, and just as you build something like, uh, the problem solving gets harder. Like it's kind of easier to start. The problem solving is easier at the beginning because you don't have, uh, various threads that you have to weave in and all that. So it's kind of easier to get going at the beginning. Uh, when, when, when you're starting you can, you can move more quickly than, uh, ending. Like for instance, the very, very end, the last part, like that just took a ton of problem solving and a lot of, uh, a lot of work just to figure out, okay, like how do I wrap this up? And like, how do I pay off some of these things that I've set up? And, uh, so the, the very, very end of it took, was the, the hardest one of all. Mm-hmm. They just generally speaking got more difficult as they, with right. Each one. And I was actually rewatching it before this conversation. And there's a, there's definitely kind of a stylistic change also in the early sessions yeah. you're using a lot of clips from old movies yeah. and stuff to illustrate historical yeah. events. And, yeah. and then you, you kind of like move away from that style. So I want to ask about the style a little bit. Um, it's, so it's not what I would, the style is not like a standard documentary style. I would think like there's no, no. so there's no people being interviewed. There's no talking yeah. heads. Yeah. Um, it's and, a conspiracy doc style. Okay, so and it, and there's one narrator and it's yeah. you, it's your voice. Yeah. Um, and you're it's reading a lot, me, a lot of me talking. <laughs> right. So you're reading, you're you know, you're reading quotes. Like I said, there's some you have some uh, archival footage of like the JFK assassination and that kind yeah. of stuff, but and also like a clip from a you know like 1776 when you're talking about the uh, the yeah. revolution. But you talk about um, why you. Uh, uh, settled. Is, is this just your style? Did you pick this style for this project in particular, and, and how did that evolve? It was my style. I mean, it was the thing that I did in Everything is a Remix, where it was just a th- – I didn't even consider it uh, a filmmaking choice. It was just I'm going to make this – I didn't even think about it, right? It was just I'm going to make this – I've got the story to tell. It happens to be about media. Uh, I've got to get narrative points across as well, so it will be my voice, and – and uh, it seemed more interesting than showing than having my head in, in the video, you know, which I've done. I had done before that. I had done vloggy type stuff where I'm talking to the camera and stuff like that. And it just seemed cheap. That seemed cheaper to me. It seemed more visually stimulating to have visuals that are going along with the narration. But for this, it was that's the that's the format of conspiracy theory documentaries. Right. So I wanted to take that format and do it, you know, as uh, take, treat it seriously and render it as, as beautifully as I could. But that's the format of, of conspiracy docs. It's, it's a bunch of media. I, mine's not all other people's media. I create a lot of the media. Uh, there's an ominous score to it and it's a dude flapping his gums for an hour and a half. And, uh, <laughs> that's what I do. It's me flapping my guns for, for an hour and a half. But, uh, you know, the research is at another level and I think the storytelling is at another level. The, the production is at another level. So it's, Hopefully, I think a beautiful version of, of a kind of trashy format. Okay, that's 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 interesting. I guess I, I didn't consciously make that connection, but it, uh, after you, you said you saying it now, you're not I really, familiar with the oeuvre 
Probably not, not as you're not familiar, familiar with, you. with Zeitgeist. Right, but I, I mean, this the, the, the style of uh, someone, usually a man, <laughs> talking either yes. directly to the it camera never, or like... It's always a man. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this is like one of the... has become one of the styles of our age because of YouTube and anyone, yeah. anyone can put something together and, you know, put stuff on the screen fairly yeah. easily and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so you you kind of... Okay, so I remember when I was watching you know, watching it in serial, um, as the parts came out in the beginning, I was kind of thinking like, okay, he's kind of like building, he's like building stuff up. And he's, so you, you're, you talk at the beginning. So it begins with a little bit on JFK and mm-hmm. then you, you talk about the American revolution, um, yep. for a while. And, yep. and, and you're going back in some ways to you talk about Gutenberg and the printing press. So you're doing this kind of historical, um, mm-hmm. setup. And then I kind of remember thinking like, you know, <laughs> two or three, uh, um, episodes into it, like, where, like, what, what, this seems like a lot of setup. Where, where are you going with this? <laughs> sure. Um, and I feel like you were, you were kind of like implying things, but I wasn't quite sure. So maybe that's also some of the, you know, it, that's in the conspiratorial style is like, yes, he- heavy on implication. Uh, but maybe yes. uh-huh. you leave it up to the viewer to connect the dots. So, but, so I, so w- having watched the, the entire thing, I would say the thesis is what's stated in the title that, Really, there are no conspiracy theories with a couple, like, there are some exceptions, but, like, the things that people think of about being a conspiracy theory, the classic one being the JFK assassination, which you focus on extensively, this is not a conspiracy theory, and um, the uh, uh, founding fathers in the American Revolution thought that Britain was engaged in a conspiracy to deprive them of liberty. That was a a misunderstanding on their part. Um, is Is that your thesis, that the really... 99% 99% of these are not conspiracies? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, that's not the point of the series, really, but that's part of the argument, is that conspiracies, generally speaking, are just logistically impossible. Uh, so I talk about, later I talk about something called the Game of Life. A guy named John Conway created a little mathematical, it's not really a game, it's more of like a mathematical demonstration uh, in the late 60s called the Game of Life. And when you apply rules to the, just the cells on a sheet of graph paper, it can create these beautiful kind of endlessly morphing patterns. It can create uh, looping patterns. It can create patterns that go for a little while and then they peter and then they just die. Um, right, so it, it almost looks like something from the Atari era. It almost looks like bacteria, yeah. But uh, yeah, and the movement almost almost looks like bacteria or a virus or right, something so like, like that. Right, yeah, these single cells, these single squares. Yeah, just and they blocks. Kind of, they're when you, moving around. When you yeah. kind of animate them, which you do. Yeah. Um, but all it is is four rules applied to the cells on a, on a sheet of graph paper. Mm-hmm. So I – and it, it was called the Game of Life because it was sort of like this is uh, – the idea was this is how life happens. You have um, – agents on which rules are applied and you get these emergent you get from that emerges emerges things that we can't anticipate like life itself you know it's just these simple rules the simple rules of chemistry somehow have the emergent properties of creating you know biological life and i think society is like that like we create rules we are uh, we live our lives within rules of various different various different kinds and the emergence that is produced by these rules makes is just impossible to foresee, and where things are going to go is impossible to predict. Like for instance, when Tim Berners-Lee invented the World Wide Web in you know the early '90s or late '80s, you know he had no clue that you know uh, Russia 40, 30 years later would have a, a disinformation farm, you know, just cranking out memes, you know, day and night to try to just try to 
pollute the uh, you know the the media ecology in the United States to try to drive up uh, division in the country. These things are unimaginable, you know, like where things are going to go when you have a set of rules uh, and people interacting with those rules, like where it's going to go is just impossible to foresee. So that's how society works, you know, like it's just this emergent thing that is exponentially expanding and what is going to happen in the future is impossible to foresee. And I have lots of examples in the series about, you know, uh, various uh, organizations inability to foresee where things are going. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how powerful you are, whatever. You can't see what the future holds. So you can, we cannot predict the future. That That's kind of a core premise of the series. And I get into why that is true. So that to me just kind of undercuts the whole concept of, uh, of, of the conspiracy theory, because planning the future when it comes to people, especially large groups of people, you can do little conspiracies that can certainly happen. But generally speaking, I think conspiracy theories of scale are, imp- are impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, I, it's, it's a compelling thesis to me. I mean, you know, there's, Okay, so let's let's bring in the the timely timely content now. So we're we're taping yes. this on uh, Thursday, February sixth, and yep. uh, we still don't exactly one hundred percent know who won the Democratic Iowa caucuses mm-hmm. um, from a couple days ago, and so it seems like there was basically uh, multiple massive fuck ups involved yeah. in yeah. what played out. Uh, some of it involving this app that yeah. wasn't uh, well tested and maybe was like a developed by people who had never built an app before, but somehow they like got this contract to, mm-hmm. uh, to t- tally the, the votes. And then like the system itself, the Iowa caucus system is insane. And there's yeah. like multiple levels of things. Um, you know, you have people in, in like uh, a gymnasium in a high school, they're standing in different places. And this turns into something called like state equivalent delegates or something along those lines. So it's just this cockamamie mm-hmm. system. They added this technological part into it. Uh, it seems to have thrown everything off kilter. The numbers are the numbers are wrong. It's possible mm-hmm. we may never exactly know what happened. Okay, this is this is this is the standard explanation. Well, here's the other explanation. Well, Bernie Sanders is a major threat to the interests of uh, the corporate Democratic Party and uh-huh. uh, many other powerful uh, forces in American life. You know, the media, uh, big business, uh, banking, and so forth. So they're going to do everything possible to prevent him from winning. And but so, he still won. Well, that well, okay, well that's problem so, number one. With yeah, it. so I so I agree. So in my yeah. Twitter, so I follow a lot of uh, Bernie fans on Twitter because they're they're usually very funny, smart people. Um, uh. But I don't know if it's just uh, tribalism or this, the you know excitement of the moment or something uh, catching fire. I saw a lot of conspiratorial, uh, not even yeah. just like implication, like people saying like this thing is rigged and we need to oh, tear, yeah. tear the system down. Yeah. Um, and so, you know. It's, so it seems like, Ber, you know, Bernie. So Pete declared victory in the caucus. Bernie just declared victory a couple hours ago. Who knows? It, it honestly doesn't. It doesn't matter in, a, in an objective sense because like they both get thirteen delegates or something. It's like point five percent of what they ultimately need. Yeah, but in terms of the really media narrative, deal. it does matter who has like the momentum, whatever that strange mystical concept mm-hmm. is. And yeah, so people people are still fighting about this and arguing about you know the state equivalent delegates or whatever that term is something that, like no one had heard of one week prior and uh it's it just so so basically you know the truth seems to be this was a fuck up this is multiple fuck ups and a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of things that people view as conspiracy theories 
probably were, were just massive colossal fuck ups. Yeah, but but many people want to see a, a hidden hand gu- yes. gu- guiding events. Okay, so what, what 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 do you think of all this? Well, I mean, it's a comforting idea, right? Like the idea that there's somebody out there who is in control. That that's a comforting, that's an emotionally appealing idea, right? Because then you just have to fight that person and defeat them or that group of people. And then you can wrest control from them and then everything's going to be super, right? Because instead of them having the levers that are controlling the machine, you've got the levers that are controlling the machine and utopia is straight ahead. You know, (laughs) here we go. We're off. Uh, So it's it's an emotionally appealing idea. I get why people like it. Uh, It's it's much more scary. I think it's much more existentially unnerving to think that uh, nobody is in control. That's that's a frightening idea. Like I think it was uh, who was it? Maybe uh, Zizek. Is that how you say his name? That philosopher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's what's his first name? Slavoj or something along those lines. Yeah, Zizek. Uh, He 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 said something along the lines of like true horror is an empty ship at sea adrift. It was something along those lines, but uh, that's the terrifying void that I think people are trying to avoid is just like we are just adrift headed to who knows where, um, and uh, we'll find out when we get there. That's a scary idea. Where somebody being in control, and we've got to fight them and defeat them, and they're bad and we're good. Like that's like that's a good story that everybody can can uh, enjoy. Yeah, and um, I think social media, the online world, Twitter in particular, reinforce a sort of we're my, my side is good, their side is bad view of things i mean this yes. is a, i think a natural like tribalism is 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 very natural uh you know going back through uh, evolutionary psychology or whatever like you yep. know we, we came up in tribes um but just you know we're the good ones and what we have to do makes sense because we are doing the good thing and they're the bad ones and anything they mm-hmm. do has this nefarious intent yes. so that's that's so that's natural uh, social media like hypercharges it because people are fighting all the time and ganging up on each other and you feel yep. good when there's like 50 people retweet your thing yep. attacking yeah, the other it's side. it's a very dramatic very dramatic form too like things really everything gets the conflict just gets cranked up to 11 in, in social media right like everything is super dramatic and that lends itself to conspiracy theory as well which is which is a super ultra dramatic format yeah and it, it also um it kind of uh, helps for the for for people who feel like they're, inv- they're involved in it or they're uh, like uncovering it, it. It's almost like a hero's narrative uh, for themselves yeah. of giving them a yeah, purpose totally. of, of opposing, yes, you know, opposing the malevolent force instead of just being caught up in the in the maelstrom. Yes, yeah, and and being powerless, yeah, yeah, which... being irrelevant, it being irrelevant, powerless. Suddenly, you're you're relevant and powerful, and you're trying to uh, capture the future from the bad guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so I, I I get I get the appeal of it. Um, so, okay. Well, speaking of the bad guys, although... Yes. Who, who, okay, so, um, uh, so, okay, we, we, we have a, a conspiracist in chief now. We have, the president is a conspiracy yeah, theorist. Uh, yeah. he, he kind of rose to political prominence. He obviously mm-hmm. already had other prominence, uh, by promoting a, a conspiracy theory about Barack Obama's birthplace. And, and, you know, he continues to, like, um... You know, so now he's at the center of the uh, of the power structure in America and the world, mm-hmm. and he, um, you know, he posits the deep state 
as yeah. his mm-hmm. his enemy, which you know this term was originally from like this is like a political science term or something from like Turkey that there yeah, were there right. were because the the, the the military has overthrown a, a yeah. democratic government in Turkey multiple times, but like there's a lot of association there's connections between the military and the business yeah. sector, and so this was kind of considered the deep state, and the yep. term got ported over in America. I, I think it yeah, I mean, some people Both probably sides just, have used it. Yeah, yeah the, the people use it to just mean. Uh, it could just be the establishment. It could just be like the the people who never the FBI, lose their jobs yeah, yeah, yeah. in in yeah. Washington. You know, like the um, you know the civil servants or that kind of thing, or like the nefarious people in the dark rooms who are guiding, um, yeah. who are you know uh, uh, making events play out as they do. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, I don't know if Trump like really buys this or this is like cynical. It seems of like he does. Yeah, I, I, I would does. say that Absolutely. he probably does he is it. what he appears to be. No, Everything that, that I, I've read about him, he he is exactly what he appears to be. But maybe worse. <laughs> so, and then, okay, so then, you know, and, and dra- uh, one, you know, one of his big slogans is drain the swamp. This is kind of a similar thing. Yeah. I mean, it could just mean like we're going to uh, take out the bad actors, the corrupt politicians or whatever, which, you know, every every politician says they're against corruption, waste, and fraud and stuff like that. But, um, you know, Trump sees more corrupt than the average president, so this isn't like a... Uh, you know, a promise fulfilled exactly, but like they continue to say drain the swamp. It's like, keep America great, drain the swamp. These are, these are slogans. Um, so he puts himself, it's weird because, you know, he is, he is the, like, he is the single most powerful person. Um, and he, you know, he, he can affect his will, um, more so than the average person. He can drop a bomb on general Soleimani, uh, if -hmm. if he wants to, uh, that's the, that's the power of the American president. Um, but he still feels himself besieged by yeah. <laughs> by mm-hmm. the deep state or yes. the lying news media, blah blah blah. So, okay, so what do you, what do you think of Trump? Did Trump uh, did Trump's rise? You know, how did the, how did that factor into? Oh God, into that, I mean, that was another curveball, right? Like, I totally assumed we would be in the Hillary Clinton era right now, like everybody did. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't have any special insight there. Um, so it was, but I did realize that even before he got elected, I realized that the thing that he was, that movement wasn't going to go away, right? Like it didn't matter if he lost. So I thought like, this is still going to be the culture that we're living in, even if he loses. So I knew once he was the nominee, I knew, okay, I've got to integrate this guy. Um, and it was a freaking curveball, man. Like I forget (laughs) what I had to do, but like I had to, uh, I don't know, like there were stuff got tossed and things got rewritten, trying to uh, incorporate him into it because it just made a very different, like suddenly, uh, conspiracy theories were mainstream, right? Like before that they, to me, they felt fringy, even though they, you know, every, we're all exposed to them. And, and, you know, some of these videos get millions of views and stuff like that. And some of these people are, uh, have lots of followers and stuff like that. It still felt felt pretty fringy, and suddenly it's on center stage, right? Like that was unforeseen and unprecedented. Like I, in, in the in the post conspiracy theory age, anyways, which I think of as being, uh, even though conspiracies, I talk about this in the series, they go back right to the founding of the country and before that as well. They were uh, an old old form, uh, but to me, the modern conspiracy theory is the JFK conspiracy theory. That's the start of the modern form of it. So since then, we've never had someone, uh, we've never had a president, we've never had a powerful person who was so conspiratorial. So we have someone who not only is conspiratorial, but is a poor caliber conspiratorialist as well, right? <laughs> like he's just, it's mostly just declaration, right? Like it's not even, de- like at least with a lot of conspiracy theorists, they go through, there's some facade of academic rigor at work, right? Like they're very into like finding their media and sourcing it and, uh, you know, patching together this, this quilt of, 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 of evidence. 
There's none of that shit with Trump, right? Like it's it's just I I forget what her name is. Um, there was a recent book. Uh, I forget what that author's name is. I'm going to try to find it in a sec. But she calls it bare assertion. It's just bare assertion. It's just you just say it and you repeat it, uh, and that's the modern version of conspiracy theory. Like it's this. It's it's not even like it's a diminished form from what it was even in the age of of the 9/11 truth conspiracy theories uh, or whatever, right? Which at least had some labor when it is as sloppy as they were. At least there was some some work when. And right. this is just it's fixed, it's fake. Like you just throw it out there and you repeat it and you know, you don't bother explaining it. And and uh, <laughs> if it doesn't make sense, who cares? You just you just it's just bare assertion, you just throw yeah, it out. Yeah, go there. on to the next thing. I mean people are saying that that's the name of her book. I'm I'm gonna look it up real quick. Oh, okay, yeah, that's but that's that, yeah, that's the other phrase that you can throw out there, right? With people like you can you can have any old bullshit that you can say when you when you can say people are saying, you know, well, yeah, I mean somebody's saying it. Right. Um yeah, I mean it's like you know, he's, I mean, you know, he's Nancy tr- Rosen, Nason, Nancy Rosenblum, by the okay. way. Uh, well, we'll, we'll uh, find the link to that and uh, link to it below. But, you know, he's he's like the, you know, Mad King or Petulant Child making things up. And uh, the entire, like, uh, executive branch uh, has to cover up uh, his nonsense. So, you know, the thing where he um, said that uh, that Alabama or whatever was, yeah. was yeah, 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 by yeah, the, yeah. the hurricane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh yes, and then, and then, and then like drew, drew a drew a boob on the yeah. So so this like kind certainty. of brain fart or whatever whatever it was because like he's the greatest guy ever, so he can't be wrong. He sticks to it, and then suddenly yeah. like very very highly trained uh, you know meteorologists at and, uh, NOAA, however you say that acronym, are like scrambling trying to figure out what the hell is going on, and it's just yeah. like. You know the it's just the 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 ravings of of the madman, but the, but everyone yeah. like needs to cover it up to keep the pretense going that we have like that we know what's what's happening. I mean, the, like the in well, some the sense, pinnacle is that he draws on the map, right? He, or or someone does. I mean, I I don't see why it wouldn't be him. But he, he there's the cone of uncertainty, right? Which is is a cone shape, and he just drew like this is how his mind works. He just drew a blob coming out of it with a magic marker and uh like there you go and and of course it's on alabama that that, that blob uh like there you go there's my evidence you know that's how like when there is evidence that's that's the standard that it's right. at right <clears throat> right and then i guess of it's just the, it, bother. It, it's the you know the, the tribalism of the like us against them the like i have I, you know the, the normal people or, or even the people in the bureaucracy or whatever who support them uh f- feel like they need to come up with some explanation because he's their leader and they're on his team and, you know, he has to be right about everything. So that's yeah. all this, all this flows from that and it's strange. Okay. But there's also this, um, uh, uh, conspiracy theory that has developed in the past couple of years in which, um, Donald Trump is the center and the hero, which is the, oh, Q- yeah. the QAnon conspiracy theory. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which is, I, I don't, I, it seems to have tamped down a little bit or somewhat, I don't, you don't hear about it as much anymore. I think it's, it's become more, a lot more Baroque than it even was to begin with. I think yes. the, the person who was posting his Q, has gone silent I don't think for, he's posting anymore. Yeah. yeah, for a long length of time. And so the, the, you know, the people with some unstable like mental capacity who are yeah. into this are kind of just like going off on their own at this yeah. point. But anyway, but anyway, I mean, this seems like it's almost like a, you know, the, the JFK conspiracies had this central focus: who killed him? Like we know he actually died. Like something really yes. did happen. Yes. Um, where it was weird. A, it was a weird event. Yeah. Right. It, where, it, it, where, is, it is a curious, contradictory event. Whereas yeah. this is like so postmodern of it, it, it's like yes. it's like roiling. It's always it's always going. Everything that's actually happening uh, is interpreted. It's it's like a, it's like a mass sort of like um, like schizophrenic delusion or something. It's like everything yeah, that's, that's, very that's happening is like yeah. part of this 
plan. Okay, so yeah, it seems, it seems like a new version of conspiracy yeah. theories. Yeah, I mean, to me, I didn't get into it a lot because it's just too. It, it came along too late. I was too deep into it to incorporate it that much, and it just I wasn't I wasn't convinced it would endure. I wasn't convinced it would would matter. Um, it does, it is seeming to still kind of <laughs> matter to me. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's it seems a very Dan Brownish kind of. I haven't done serious research into this, but but Dan Brown wrote the Da Vinci Code, right, and Angels mm-hmm. and Demons, and the logic that he uses in those books. It's very much about symbols, right? And it's about interpreting symbols and finding little patterns in the symbols. Like they're finding fucking cues all over the place, right? Like they're finding photos and you can see a cue shape here or whatever, right? Uh, the, the Illuminati set were big into triangles, which you can find absolutely everywhere <laughs> because the laws of perspective produce triangles constantly. If you look at a road, it's a triangle. Uh, but anyway, it's this very like symbolic kind of – and it was very media-centric, like the Illuminati stuff, which I, I see QAnon as kind of being a, a descendant of the Illuminati. The Illuminati, I, I talk about this in the series, that exploded after Angel, the movie adaptation of Angels and Demons, which is a Dan Brown book, came out. That's when the Illuminati stuff really exploded uh, online. And that's – so to me, it's the same sort of logic as the Illuminati. It's this finding symbols, often in media, like with the Illuminati, it was like Beyonce and Jay-Z and stuff, and find, so finding single eyes and triangles and stuff. And it's finding cues and, and, and do, like doing like numerology stuff and mm-hmm. finding patterns and letters and, and doing little cipher codes and stuff like that. So it's very much about finding – they're thinking that the story is embedded like a code – like the Da Vinci Code, out there in reality. And if you can decode uh, media, you can figure out what's going on. But you can go anywhere with that kind of reasoning, right? Like once you employ numerology and, and cipher codes in, in bits of text and stuff like that, like you can you can go anywhere you want to go. I talk about in – this is not a conspiracy theory about how um, – oh, gosh, shit. Am I going to forget his name? Um, oh, God. Uh, the guy from, um, just one sec. <laughs> That's how all right. Can I forget, how can I forget this name? Uh, Jim Garrison. There it is. Jim Garrison was the, uh, was an attorney. He was the subject of the 1991 or 92 JFK film, right? That Oliver Stone directed. This is the Kevin Costner played him. Yeah, Kevin Costner film. Uh, so Jim Garrison, uh, had this, uh, he went off the deep end. He, so he's not a, he's a loony figure, right? Like this film is extremely, uh, um, worshipful of, of this kooky character who seemed to just hurt a lot of people and, and had crappy evidence and, and just believed anything, like believed any old conspiracy theory that came his way. But he was doing things like uh, like decoding – I forget what the digits were, but like decoding the digits – and subtracting just arbitrary numbers from thing like I uh, like I think it was thirteen just like decode something subtract thirteen and then you find out that it's Oswald's phone number or whatever <laughs> or something like that like mm-hmm. just stuff like that so like once you go off the rails like that and you're and you're employing tricks like that like you can go you can go anywhere you want anything that you want to be true can be true and that's what happens with QAnon right like the stuff that they say uh, is just beyond parody, you know, like, and, and the way you get there is with this kind of reasoning that's, that's symbolic and about finding patterns in, uh, in media. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I guess the stuff that I, at this point, since nothing, I'm, nothing has happened with it in a long time. There was this very strange event where a 
guy who was in his 20s, um, who was a QAnon believer and seemed to be a schizophrenic, um, murdered uh, one of the like Gambino crime family oh, yeah, yeah, bosses yeah. on Staten Island. Yeah, super he, strange. Yeah, super strange story. Yeah, not because because somehow he thought like he misunderstood who this guy was or something, or he wanted to do a citizen's arrest. Just totally yeah. bizarre that you know it's like it's yeah. So it, you know these obviously these attract people who are you know mentally unwell or unstable in some way, and the stuff that's you know that circulates now in the regular part of the social media is maybe the stranger stuff. But the stuff I saw something just last week, which is like. Um, uh, someone was making the case that um, that Frank Sinatra uh, is actually Pope Francis. Um, I see. Yeah. So Frank Sinatra did not. I love the ones where, like, uh, they talk about. Like, I think there was one about Kirk Douglas, who was 103 and just died. There was something that I saw. I, I follow some QAnon people, people who who track the, the latest goings on with QAnon, and it somehow implied that Kirk Douglas had had gotten murdered. Like. <laughs> The most, he's 103 years old. It seems pretty obvious why he died, uh, but they just see sinister uh, plots everywhere, right? Nobody can die of old age in, in hardcore conspiracy land. It has to be a has to be a hit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was unclear to me what the point would be of Frank Sinatra actually being Pope Francis, and they had like analysis of like their teeth and stuff, and you know, f- uh, baby photos. Although it was unclear how this person squared the fact that like there were obviously baby photos of both these people, and they look oh, and, and they have a kind thing of like because they're both Italian, you know, yeah. uh, babies. You have a thing about JFK Jr. Yeah, as so well. he's still alive. And, yeah, That's one of the yeah. things, and and he's various figures. Yeah, yeah. So, but it it, it, it all like like I said before, the you know with JFK it was like. He is dead. Someone, someone killed him. Who was yeah. it? Whereas this yeah. is just so free floating, and yeah. it, it seems like there's there aren't there's... actual crimes. Like they, they, these, this pedophilia that they're referring to, like it doesn't exist. There aren't actual cases. There aren't actual missing children. It's they're just inventing a, a crime that doesn't seem to exist. Right. Okay. Well, so the thing, so uh, something that's happened in the last year uh, that's not given credence to QAnon, but somehow you know, reflected in a bizarre way is the downfall of Jeffrey Epstein, uh, which mm-hmm. would also associate his death is also uh, the source of much conspiracy theorizing. Um, and, you know, he like, you know, he, he was running some sort of, um, yeah. uh, organization to traffic, uh, yes. g- teenage girls, uh, to him and other men, uh, for sex. And mm-hmm. it was a big organization and he was a very wealthy, powerful man. And he was, friends with uh, both Donald Trump and Bill Clinton. Um, and then eventually was, <laughs> eventually was taken down and then died under somewhat mysterious circumstances. Yeah. So it was a weird, like, you know, in the, in the QAnon narrative, Donald Trump was saving us from the pedophiles or the people yes. who are eating children or whatever. In, yes. in reality, there was this pedophile, a wealthy, uh, powerful pedophile who was, and he was friends with Donald Trump. Um, yeah. But what, I mean, what do you, what do you make of that? Um, the the Epstein case, especially Epstein's death. I actually had a conversation with uh, uh, Daniel Bessner, who's a history professor, um, I think at U Washington, uh, uh, right after uh, Epstein's death, and he said that this would be the JFK assassination of our era. Um, I, you know, six months later, people aren't really thinking about that. it all that much, but it it, it does no, it does not, stand out. As that, a, it's not that important. It does yeah, stand out as a very weird event. Not, yeah, no, that, that I, I would say. Number one, that's a prediction, <laughs> and in my series warns you to take <laughs> don't don't take predictions seriously. Number two, it's just that's not an impactful moment. Like JFK getting assassinated was a massive psychic shock to the country, right? Like that was that was like like nine eleven is like JFK. If you want to say something is like 
Yeah, like 9-11 is the JFK assassination of, of, of the modern era. Like Jeffrey Epstein uh, hanging himself in prison. I don't think like nobody remembers where they were when they found that out, right? Like, uh, uh, I don't know. But I, I, some people there might be. Like, the, you, oh, you I'm, see sure, people, I'm sure some people, but, but you still, it's not, like, you it's see not there's a common this, experience. There's this meme, like Epstein didn't kill himself, and there's still people, sure. I think, just in the past – Week oh, or yeah. so, I heard someone. You it's know, enduring. Yeah. Someone at a Biden, you know, meet and greet or something like said sure. when they were handed the mic said Epstein didn't kill himself. So, so sure. the, yeah, these people are branching off and they're establishing. But it's not own. something that we're like people were stopping on the streets and looking at TV sets and store windows and stuff like that. <laughs> like that's what nine eleven. That's like every the world stopped. Yeah. and we all watched what was happening. Right, it's not that sort of event. But I don't know that much about it, honestly. I haven't. I didn't research it. It's not in the series. Um, I don't know that much about it, except that it it is weird. At least it's a weird, uh, coincidental, uh, curious event. Like the it, and it is like the JFK assassination in that sense, where it's like, wow, can this can this really have happened in in this way? But I tend I having not looked into it, I assume that he did actually kill himself. That seems like the most logical. That's like rather than some plot that is somehow being expertly covered up that an accused pedophile whose life has been absolutely demolished, that he killed himself. That sounds pretty logical to me. So, but I don't know. I, I haven't looked into it seriously. Yeah, it's I, not, it's not as transparently screwball as, as a lot of stuff that gets set out there. That's for sure. Right. I mean, there do seem to be again, like, the, like a uh, massive fuck up or sinister conspiracy. Like there's, you know, there's like surveillance tapes were taped over or missing or something. And then the, yeah. You know, that's, someone that's fell asleep. The guard fell asleep. Yeah. So, like, yeah. sometimes everything does go wrong. Yes. And so, like with JFK, yeah. Like uh, that the car slowed down after the first shot. That the uh, secret servicemen had uh, had gotten loaded the night before, and they were all uh, they barely slept. They were totally exhausted and and out of it. Uh, you know, they handled it really, really poorly. Um, that they happened to choose that route was another thing that, like, I think there were, there was some sort of last minute uh, decision. Oh, and there was last minute decision to not. He had a bulletproof. There was a bulletproof, uh, whatever you call it, cover that that car would have. But no, JFK didn't want that. He wanted to be like out in the breeze waving yeah. at people, you know. So there's all these curious things that add up. But sometimes that's the way life goes, you know. Sometimes curious things add up, and the guy happens to be in the right place at the right time, like Oswald was. Mm-hmm. Um. So what, I guess one other conspiracy that has come not as prominent, but somewhat to the, more to the fore than it was maybe when you started this is the flat earth uh, conspiracy. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you do mention, at least mention yeah, it in, it's in, there, yeah. in the documentary. Um, yeah. People, I, there was a, there was a profile or a story in the New Yorker about a year ago about, uh, you know, the flat earth convention and talking about these people. And, uh, you know, it's, it is, it is interesting, and it's also like so. I don't know. Um, again, with with nine eleven, with JFK, with the Iowa caucus, like you know, there's these uncertain facts or things that like could this possibly have happened? Whereas with the flat Earth, it's like you you really need to take a leap. We settled this centuries ago. Yeah, you, you know, take, need to take a leap into science. total like rejection of everything society says and like all yeah. logic and reason to to do it. But it's like yeah. gaining popularity, and it's also it has these connections to other like. You know who who is preventing us from knowing the truth about the flat Earth? Well, it's the Jewish media or, or something like that. Like it, it has connections to other conspiracy sure. theories. Oh yeah, they often interlock like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's a funny thing because it's like that's what we thought for eternity, basically, until the modern era. Like, why wouldn't you think the Earth is flat? It appears to be flat. Um, so I get where it, it comes from, but like uh, we figured it out, and <laughs> now we have satellites and airplanes, and and the whole world thinks that the world is round as well. You know, like in a lot of these flat Earth videos, there's they seem to argue that it's like this Western thing, like the Masons did it right. But like, what does China know about the Masons? What does Russia know about the Masons? You know, like what does North Korea know about the Masons? They all think the Earth is round. You know, it just works. It, it works because it's true. And, like, how do you engineer uh, a plot like somebody's just churning out CGI like day after day showing us that the Earth is round? Uh, anyway, like why you would do it just is, is a real stretch. Yes. But uh, I try to have sympathy for, for how people can think these things. Like it is a counterintuitive that, – that the world is round obviously is counterintuitive because we thought it was flat for a long time, right? So obviously there is, there is a naturally counterintuitive element to it. Um, and people were so mediated and so distanced from actual reality now that I think people, uh, you know, they, they get confused. It's just it's hard to – and the world is so massively complicated now. It's really hard to, to make sense of, of what is going on, generally speak, like politically. It's, I mean imagine explaining to someone from the past what is going on in, in 2020 politically. You know, like it's, it's just mind-boggling that, that the president is who he is and he's saying the things he's saying. Like, uh, I mean, uh, it is super, super confusing, uh, the world right now. So I try to have sympathy for people who think, who think these things because they're doing the best they can. They're, they're trying to make sense of a very complicated world. They're busy. They have children and jobs and, and ailing parents and all sorts of things that you got to take care of. And, you know, they're not media nerds like me who are, you know, just uh, super dedicated to figuring out as much as they possibly can all day long. Uh -huh. So um, I get why people are confused and I don't like to, I don't, th I make fun of conspiracy theories in the series, but I don't think I make fun of conspiracy theorists. Uh -huh. um, and I think people should refrain definitely from making fun of conspiracy theorists because for a lot of people, it's a phase, you know, like it's a thing, it's, it's kind of kooky stuff. And we all believe kooky stuff. Like I think kooky stuff about like nutrition or, or exercise or, or whatever. I like the realms that I'm not that serious about. And you, you figure out something that seems to make sense and you go with it. I'm not attached to these ideas. Uh, but you know, we, we all think kooky things. So, uh, I think we should not be too judge, judgmental about people having kooky beliefs and, uh, trying to communicate with them, uh, in a non-judgmental way, um, try to help them on their journey and try to uh, figure out the world as best they can. And, and the way that you can help them is by providing information that makes more sense than the idea that they that they had in their head before. Yeah, well, maybe this is, this will be the last question. Then, just branching off from that, uh, you know, some if someone like a relative or some or a loved loved one or a friend in your life is falling into one of these. Yeah. conspiracy theories like QAnon or Flat Earth or who knows what. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you, uh, what's, what's the way to disabuse them or should you not disabuse them as you kind of implied somewhat in your last answer? Yeah. Because like, you know, I've, 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 I've idly thought to get someone on this podcast who's like a QAnon person, you know, a believer. And I was like, no way, they'll, they'll be, they'll like defeat me. They will, they will like, they know this terrain way better than I do. Mm -hmm. They'll be spouting off facts and figures and every possible thing 
and I'm just <laughs> I'm just a layperson. They're in yeah. this world. They believe right. it, and mm-hmm. they will maybe they'll come off as crazy, but they will you know they'll. I'm not going to convince them otherwise. So, do you have any sure. thoughts on like deprogramming or something of people who are really into this stuff? Not really. I mean, I have no special insight, and I don't think there's anybody out there who's cracked the code. Or, I mean, obviously not, because we're we're neck deep in conspiracy theories in, in the world right now. So, I don't think there's any. I only have my opinions. And I don't have any special insight into it. But I tend to think, generally speaking, that people react too strongly. I think when you when you push people too hard, they they dig in. So I, right. I, I recommend against pushing people really hard and getting really aggressive with that and just showing some patience w- w- with what with the kooky things that they're believing and just try to just try to chime in with things that make better sense than uh, the things that they are uh, that they're uh, ingesting. Um, so just try to make little contributions here and there and just don't think that you can, I I think too many people in the world think that they can just browbeat people into thinking what they want. And I think it just, it doesn't work. It's, it's hopeless. Don't bother doing it and try to treat people with respect. Uh, try to make contributions that can help them make sense of the world better. And, uh, don't panic. Like I think a lot of people panic about this stuff. And I know some of this stuff is scary. Like this stuff leads to, to dark places like, the Jewish question and stuff like that, you know, like these are things that I didn't go deep to in into the series because they're just too depressing for me. You know, like I don't want to, I don't want to dive into that world. You know, it's too, too, too dark. It was too dark for me. Then. Maybe I could do it now, but it was too dark then. I didn't, I, I don't want to hear about Holocaust and all. It's just too sad uh, for everybody. The actual event is too sad. And the people who somehow think that this stuff makes sense, it just is too profoundly sad to me. So, it can lead dark places. You know, I don't like when people, uh, I do get the other side of it that, that, uh, you know, these, these ideas can lead to extremely dark places and they can justify horrible acts as well because these stories are so dramatic. Like QAnon is about whatever it's about enslaving or devouring or sexually abusing children or whatever. Right. So what, what, what can you do in response to that? You can basically do anything, right. You know, these people are just hideously evil. You can do anything you want. So I know that some of this stuff is super, super nasty uh, but I just think for the most part, people don't take it that seriously. I, th- I think that's one thing I would say is that I don't think people take conspiracy theories as seriously as people think they do. It's just like any other crap that you read on the Internet, right? Like when you look at Twitter and people are ranting about whatever and they're really upset about whatever and they're spouting all these opinions, like how deeply held is all this stuff? Like most of it's just noise, right? Like most of it's not. And if you ask somebody three months in the future what they think about whatever, they might have a totally different opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is noise and, and shouldn't be taken taken too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um. So what are you, uh, so I don't, you know, th- you, this project was not the only thing you were working on for the past eight years. Yeah. You did all this other no, stuff. I, most, I was mostly working for, for money. Right. Yeah. Uh, to support yourself. Um, is there a similar type project that you envision in the future or are you going to take no, a break? No, <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I'm once bitten. I'm not launching a new project without knowing exactly uh, what it is. The The objective now is there's a couple things I have to do with finishing the series. Like there's, there's behind the scenes content that I make with the series as well. There's a couple more videos I want to make about uh, just explaining some of the reasoning in the series and one about like just stuff that I've learned over the years, like sharing with my audience uh, what I learned from making the series itself and what I learned uh, in life during that time and, and tr- just try to share as, as much as I can to, to help people out. 
Uh, and then there's just very – I got to make DVDs and ship them and finish this Kickstarter. I don't know if you ordered a DVD or a Blu-ray, but I got to ship those <laughs> things out. Um, so there's lots of chores like that, subtitling, all that crap. And then I want to license it. I want to license it to you know Netflix or, or somebody like that. Uh, so I've got to make trailers and get out there and, and try to sell this sucker as well. So, and then there's extra videos that I, I want to make just uh, free content that will lead people to, to the project as well. So there's also, I'm just living in, this is not a conspiracy land for probably the next year or two. Oh, okay. So it does. Okay. So the film is finished. There, but might, the, there might be an everything is remixed. There might be an everything is a remix video in there someplace. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, I hope so because I, I I love those videos. And so so okay, everything in the remi- is a remix are available free on YouTube. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. And then this is not a conspiracy theory. How can people find that? And what would you they have to it. pay? To they would watch have to pay. Time? They would have to pay fifteen dollars normally, fourteen ninety nine. Uh, if you use the code waiting list right now, you can save five bucks. So you can get it for ten bucks, and then you own it uh, forever, and you get all the behind the scenes uh, content and all that. So waiting list is the code right now that expires uh, on Friday. When does this come out? I don't think this is coming out in the next 24 hours, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll leave it up a bit longer. Try it out. Waiting list. And you, you can save five bucks on it. Go to this is not a conspiracy theory.com. Uh, and you can buy the series and you'll get the full uh, seven part series. And then there's a bunch of extra stuff and there's still a bit of extra stuff to come uh, in the near future that you'll get as well. Uh, cool. So people should check it out. Um, you can watch it all in one go. Not like the, uh, you know, nearly decade-long <laughs> process. <laughs> you totally forget what happens between the, episodes. The Kickstarter, yeah. <laughs> uh, original Kickstarter backers, uh, you know, we, uh, you, you know, it was probably like 2,500 people or something uh, who were originally backed it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. We should have formed, like, a support group or something to, uh, <laughs> to get us through. Um, but just say, so, you know, the, the Everything's a Remix is uh, really, I think, did change the way I think about culture. Oh, that's awesome. um, that's and awesome. I, I, really, I really enjoyed it. I think about it a lot. I've mentioned it multiple times on this show over the years. As you know, talking about cultural appropriation, or you know, it just it just really applies in in, in multiple ways. Um, so yeah. I encourage people to check that out uh, awesome. as well. And that, so that's the one that's free on YouTube. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I think that's about it. Do you have anything else you want to awesome. add before we wrap up? No, that's it. Check me out at thisisnotconspiracytheory.com. You can watch previews of, uh, of the series there as well. You can there is free stuff you can watch. Find out if you're into it, uh, and then you can buy it if you want to see the full thing. Cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, people can, so you're, you're also on Twitter. Is it remix everything? Yeah. Remix everything is me on Twitter. Yeah. You got uh, it. and I am R-E-A-C-W on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can uh, rate and review this at iTunes. You can like it on YouTube. You can do all sorts of things. Um, but, uh, don't, the world's believe, your oyster. don't believe a conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> because it's probably not true. Um, okay. So that, so, uh, thanks Kirby. Uh, thank you to our viewers and listeners. We'll see you again next time. Thanks so much.